What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Yoga Podcast. On the Conscious Yoga Podcast, we use spirituality, philosophy, psychology, literature, the occult, and many other tools and practices, not just to examine yoga, but to expand yoga's vision and provide solutions to problems in yoga. This podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play podcast hosts, and there is a video version of it on YouTube. My name is Ian Kadanak. I run the website SavvyZen.com. Check out some of the articles, YouTube classes, free ebooks, and video courses if you want some new creative and innovative perspectives on yoga. So, episode number four is titled Yoga's War on the Ego. And this isn't just contained to yoga. This is happening in the New Age movement, and it dates all the way back to Christianity, early Christianity, and and it and it happens anywhere where people are being oppressed and made being made to enter into a collective consciousness, into a collective conscious instead of being their own individual. So, a quick recap of episodes one through three. In episode number one, I defined yoga as the creation and flow of energy, and it being a two part being one part of a two-part system in spirituality, one part being the creation and flow of energy, the other part being the use and management of that energy or occultism or spirituality, if you want to call it that. By doing that, we got rid of all the baggage of yoga, all about India and Patanjali, anything, any association you make with yoga so that we could build a new yoga that's based on the best principles and practices for our for one, the whole community in general, but for our subjective journey more importantly. In episode number two, I use simulation theory, subjective reality, and viewing the world through a dream lens to help to help build this to help build your yoga reality. We use tips and techniques from all those things and by using by seeing the world through a subjective reality, your imagination is broadened and you can start building your yoga reality or what you want yoga to be for you in whatever way you want. And we can, as a group of individuals, we can come together into a community of individuals and create a whole new yoga that doesn't have a lot of the shortcomings. Because on the path of higher consciousness, as you're ascending the steps, when you finally reach the top, all you have, all you can have is yourself. Gurus and teachers and lineages, traditions, books, going to India, all that stuff may help you get up along the way. But at some point, you're going to have to take it off of your back because this is your own subjective journey. No one else can come with you. No one, Nothing else can enter with you. And episode number three was, episode number three was titled, Trusting Your Yoga Reality. And we, we discussed how to develop a co-creative relationship with reality, the divine, God, the universe, mother nature, whatever you want to call it, energy, we, to how to develop a co-creative relationship so that you could build a, a trust and relationship which enables you to not force your own path or just be a victim to the flow of reality and your emotions, but to come together and meet in the middle. Because if you just objectively head toward a goal or a life purpose and you don't take any input from what reality is trying to tell you or whatever you want to call it, 
then you're going to run into problems along the way. There's going to be so many missed opportunities and a lot of incongruencies, which will hurt you later on. And if you're just letting yourself be controlled by reality or your emotions, a lot of problems happen and you're not going to have you're going to dispute some things. You're going to want to do other things because the simulator, the divine energy is not perfect. It makes mistakes and it's doing what's best for you. And we also established that, that reality is trying to do its best for you, but it's not perfect. It has flaws. So episode number four is very important because we have a lot of misconceptions about the ego. So let's head right back to the start. What does the word ego mean? And let's just do a word association test. When I say the word, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Ego. When I hear that word, I think of some jerk or me being arrogant or like the bad part of Ian or the bad part of myself. Like, dang, bro, you got such an ego. Like, damn, that guy's got such an ego. We say that, right? And And that's a correct usage, I guess. But that leads us down a rabbit hole that really isn't correct. The word ego... I learned this in my in a Latin class at university. In Latin, the word for the pronoun I is ego. So really, all ego is is just I, the, your personality and sense of self. But we hear a lot in New Age communities, in the New Age community, in the yoga community, in a lot of places in general, that we should diminish that, that we should, that our sense of self and our ego should go away in and I'll, I'll quote a few people. I found so many quotes, and I won't hammer you, but just a few big ones from big people. From Gandhi, when the ego dies, the soul awakes. From Ram Das, as you dissolve into love, your ego fades. You're not thinking about loving. You're just being love, radiating like the sun. And this is very problematic because there are bad parts to ourselves. There are imbalances in our character in our personality and sense of self being just because someone because you're an arrogant angry and controlling person doesn't mean that you should eliminate your whole ego that we should do this or we should do that that's silly and what that leads to is a fragmented self that can't that doesn't have a real purpose and can't go into the world and and do real action and if you look at the whole spiritual movement and gurus throughout all of history and even now most of these people actually aren't putting in that much work to change the world they're just rehashing a lot of the same old things because they are are all blissed out and they're not creating a stronger character here's a question what's the point of playing a weak character what's the point of playing an egoless character if we're in a simulation or in a dream world is there even a point that seems so That doesn't even seem appealing. And a lot of us, including myself, got into Buddhism or yoga and and all this ego and self-attachment stuff. Ego and detaching from the ego and and not learning to attach anymore from a place of trying to escape. Our life is hard. We have emotional problems. We our family life wasn't great. Breakups, having to work crappy jobs we don't like, past abuses. And It feels good to let that stuff go, and we should let that stuff go. But there are other emotional management techniques that can help you release past bad experiences or come to accept them, and other techniques that help you control or accept your emotions and get them 
in balance. A lot of, and you see this a lot in, in, like I said, yoga, new age, Buddhism, that anger is bad or all these things is bad, but quoting a Rage Against the Machine song, freedom, anger is a gift because anger at the right time and in the right place and for the right reason is one of the most beautiful things ever because what would we be if we didn't have an ego? If we were egoless, we'd be floating bobs in space and we'd be, be, we'd be getting controlled by people who did have an ego. It actually isn't a good reality. And Anne Rand, and I, that probably doesn't um, make some people feel very good when I say Anne Rand, because if you guys don't know who Anne Rand is, she was a right-wing author, philosopher, writer, fiction writer. She wrote Atlas Shrugged. But Anne Rand wrote a great novella called Anthem. And in this novella, it's a, it's a dystopian world where you're basically chosen, your job is chosen at birth and you're thrown into a position where you know you're gonna and and our main character in the book is named equality seven two five two one and at one point in his life he wanted to be a scholar and they they laughed at him so you're not going to be a scholar and because you even asked we're going to make you do one of the worst jobs like digging ditches you're a gutter cleaner so this is his life he's with a bunch of other people who have that name and all they do is clean gutters go home eat something go to sleep they have no identity and one of the coolest things that she does is that all these characters they only use plural pronouns they only can use we they that's all they we they them that's all they can use they can't they they don't have access to the singular pronouns they don't even know them they don't even know that they exist and how mind blowing is that because no one in that in this society, nobody has an ego. But what happens when nobody has an ego? Like I said, you get controlled, like in the novella, by people who do have an ego, the overlings. And in this novel, we, this, um, our main character, he eventually he escapes. He comes to some realization. He finds some stuff from the old world, and he's like, "What? What is this?" And he eventually escapes, and with his girlfriend, you know, great, great, the quest, you got to have the man and the girl, and the the man and the woman, and the antagonist character, so they go out into the forest, and they find a bunch of old books, but at the very end, and throughout the whole book, there's a forbidden world, word, it's foreshadowed the whole time, you can't say it, right, and if you, it's, it's not even, and eventually, at the very end, they find it, and what's that word? That word is I, that word is ego, that word is the individual. It's not even a concept in their brain. And then they realize like, holy crap, we can rebuild society with this. But a lot of the more more contemporary yoga philosophy and new age thought is based in postmodernism and stemming out of Marxist and Marxist thought, which has its benefits. And what it should be used for is that Things like postmodernism and whatnot should be used to be able to eliminate bad parts of ourself. If there's something that you don't like, if there's an experience that you don't like, if something is perturbing you, you should be able to view it in a different perspective and view it in a subjective perspective or even use a collective perspective and find a purpose through the collective to help you transcend that instead of just looking at it from an objective angle. But when you start applying a collective consciousness and 
everyone having to think the same way to politics and idea laws and to society and start and you start controlling things, things start going downhill. And a lot of you won't like that because we there's a very there's a socialist trend happening right now, but that's the truth. And we're gonna get more into this on this podcast and in this episode. So it's not just these organizations that are trying to eliminate our ego, but it's also the government trying to eliminate our ego. And yes, this is a yoga podcast, but you ha- we have to go here because yoga is one of the main groups right now that's very popular that's propagating this. Hop onto social media and you'll see a bunch of stuff like truth doesn't exist. Everyone's one. It's just a matter of perspective. And if it's just a matter of perspective, then no one has an ego. There is no individual, no individual perspective is really taken into account. So let's hi- let's get deeper into this and how to apply this into your real life and why this is very important. So let's so let's ask the question, can you even eliminate your ego? If we're going to set off on this big journey, is there even an end goal? And there isn't an end goal because the only way to really do this is live in the woods or live in a cave and diminish abolish your whole ego. Right? Um, like Nietzsche and thus spoke Zathursa, I can't, I always forget how to say that. He goes out into the woods. He lives in a cave for like a decade. Then he comes back and he says, God is dead. I've had this revelation. Like we don't need to live our life on the basis of this Christian God anymore. It doesn't mean that spirituality is dead, but this, the Christian God is dead. We don't, he doesn't, didn't exist out there. None of it mattered. And everyone thought he was insane. We saw the, you see this with all the monks and everyone in, in the East, everyone living out there or the, or the Christian elders out in the desert meditating who got exiled or chose to live on the desert for decades and the revelations they came to there's a great book on that called the wisdom of the desert but that's one way or the other way is that you just take a bunch of psychedelics you just take 20 hits of acid and you go right to the moon (laughs) and that works too you you will transcend the ego but you're going to come back down off of that trip just like you're going to come back down when you leave the cave and you're going to be back in society and you're eat and 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 it's not going to be that useful. And the whole point of occultism and most systems of the occult don't go straight up. In the Kabbalah, which is a system of Jewish mysticism, they call if you just go straight up from the bottom to the top and you don't do all the side quests or hit all the um side sephirot, sephirot, sephirot whatever, I forgot how to say that too right now, but Sephiroth, if you don't hit those, you're going to be in balance. They call that the path of the arrow because there's different polarities and perspectives that you need to gain along the way because when you're up there in pure consciousness, pure non-egoness, you, if you don't have everything else, like I said, eventually you're going to come down, but the whole point is not to come back down. The whole point is to be able to move through all different polarities and energies and and it's it's sad to see people doing this. I mean, if you've ever known someone who's taken way too many psychedelics, they're fragmented. They don't know how to come back into society. They don't know how to assimilate back and make what all the great revelations all the cool things that they learned they don't know how to apply that back and you see that with a lot of these people who are enlightened who i'm sure have learned a lot and 
abolish the law of their ego in the yoga world, they're pretty, they, they aren't doing any real world action. They're maybe teaching other people or putting people through steps, but it's just a bunch of people doing nothing in monasteries. I guess they're maybe helping the astral energy of the universe, which is important, but a lot of them aren't even into that because to want to help the universe and can, can contribute astral energy, you actually have to have an ego and a purpose to, to want to do that. There has to be a part of you. There has to be a, a sense of courage and honesty for you to go and do that. <laughs> so let's ask another question. What is the point of playing a weak character? We already asked that, but what's the point of being a weak character? I, to, uh, this, this One of the main differences between Western esotericism and Eastern esotericism is the East is trying to remove themselves from this life. They're trying to remove themselves from the ego and go more within. But Western esotericism is trying to live life more. They're trying to experience life more. They want more life. They want more experience. And I think that you need to go inward in some aspects, but you can't go totally inward and you can't go totally outward. There needs to be that meeting of the divine masculine and the divine feminine to create the powerful third energy. And when we look in the yoga community, it's filled with a bunch of weak characters right and excuse me i've done a lot of different sports and in, in, in basically across the board in asana and the meditators and everything else i've never met a bigger group of complainers and excuse makers and the great thing is and the funny thing is, is in yoga you don't need to complain or make excuses i've never met an, a bigger group of people who say I can't do this because I don't have the certification. I can't do this because I can't do that. No one in money, no one in yoga makes this money. Or I have this knee injury and this can't happen. Or I feel too tired. Everyone else just does it or doesn't do it. And they were just like, yeah, I don't really care that much. But for some reason, everyone has an excuse. And it's because we're fragmenting ourselves and we can't develop ourselves. We can't develop our third chakra and gain power in the universe. We can't project ourselves out into the universe. Because we're not, one, trying to accept ourselves and, you know, we're not trying to, we're trying to run away from who we are. And let's talk about something because I think this is very important and this will be a counterpoint to this whole podcast that I, what we've been told reality is, is a lie. And what reality is is reality is a temporary resultant of continuous struggles between rival gangs of programmers. What we've been told Sorry, the mic just fell. What we've been told reality is isn't really reality. Reality is what we are perceiving and what's happening in the present moment as wave and particle fragments and we can get into all this later but learning about these things and learning about how you've been programmed and social engineering and all these different things doesn't mean that you should eliminate your ego it just means you should eliminate all the parts of you that you don't like all the parts that you feel that got embedded into you by the public education system or mass media or by people who by negative people who've had 
abuse or have problems in their life, you should eliminate those. Yeah, get rid of that baggage. But that doesn't mean you should just throw the baby out with the bathwater and get rid of everything. No, it's it's about a holistic model of reality. It's about an accurate perception of reality. That's our journey right now is developing an accurate perception and model of reality. That's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. That's the whole point of building the simulation up because from scratch, why don't we just start with the one, the the, simu- the reality yoga is given us right now because it's not an accurate enough model. We There's a lot of loopholes and a lot of things and to get rid of those, we have to start from the bottom because just fixing them will just create more and it never ends. Let's talk about history and how this has been used. So in yoga, there was there's something in India and in the East, there's something called the caste system. And in the caste system, there's different castes or different ranks or classes in society. And when you're born into one, you can never escape out of it. So even if you were born in the lowest caste and you became the richest man in India, let's say, it'd be it'd, you'd probably still remain there and people would still treat you like crap. Or if you were a scholar and came up with electricity, you probably wouldn't escape your caste. Getting out of your caste was near impossible. And this was still happening into the 40s, 1940s. This was still happening. And one of the main ways they kept this in control, and this is, we'll talk about Christianity in a second, is through the elimination of the ego and the individual. And they did this through the hint, hint, through religion and spirituality, giving a false version of spirituality and religion. So in classic classical India, we the people who were doing yoga were either and diving deep into spirituality were either the monks, like people who were monks, and then people who were at the, in the upper caste and the scholars and, and the priest class. So let's talk about the monks. The monks to learn this information, if you're at the lowest caste, you have to join a monastery. You have to commit your life to them. Your whole life is committed to them, and you're learning a lot of half truths. And you have to, and you can never apply them out in the world because all you're doing is just meditating and doing these things and keeping up with the monastery, maybe doing a little bit of charitable work. But you're actually not being able to synthesize these ideas and spread them out into the world. All you're able to do is spread some basic messages to a bunch of other people in society, but where are the messages that you're spreading if you haven't been able to develop a strong character? All you're doing is helping others become weak characters. You're helping fragment the selves of the pop, the populate, you're helping fragment the population by doing things and by saying, hey, you just got to self-detach. This is really bad. The government's really bad, but all pain and suffering is from attachment, which isn't true, by the way. Maybe at some like, at some level it is, but that really isn't true. And that's why I don't identify as a Buddhist or a lot of other things because all that leads to is just fragmenting yourself and getting rid of thinking you need to get rid of this ego. Instead of instead of a bunch of individuals creating a stronger character and being like, yo, hey government, why are you oppressing us? Why is all this crap going on? A bunch of people just were going the other way. And this went on for thousands of years. It's still happening right now. And 
the people who understood this were the people at the top. Do you think all the rich people at the top were getting rid of all their ego? No, they were getting rid of parts of themselves that were lessening their strength and they got stronger so they could control people even more. That's what they were doing. They were doing what you were supposed to be doing in spirituality, but taking the dark worker route, taking the route of the sorcerer. As a light worker, we're supposed to eliminate the stuff that's holding us back, but then use this new strength, this new power to help others, to bring light and enlightenment to the world. But they were using it as a form of social control and social engineering. If we look at Christianity and the figure of Jesus, Jesus is a very passive figure. Even though Jesus Jesus is a great figure to meditate on and learn with and pretty has some pretty cool teachings, he was perfect for the future of the people and keeping people passive because all the church had to do is give all these lessons to Jesus and their main role model is a passive person, a non-aggressive person, a person with a weak character. What, what individual traits did Jesus have? Because if you look at things like the, the Kabbalah, he got Jesus was ascending up the line, but he never reached Kater. He was stuck in Tifereth. Yeah, and he was still stuck in the heart chakra. He didn't learn the immutable laws of the universe and connecting with God and expanding out into the universe and applying these those ideas. He was still stuck in self-sacrificing and all these other things. So what did the society do? They modeled themselves off of someone who was self-sacrificing. So they self-sacrificed for each other, but didn't rise up and fight against and develop egos to fight against the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church and the Lutheran Church and all these, the Church of England. And this went on forever. How long did this, how long, how terrible of a reign was that? Because a bunch of people couldn't create strong enough characters and they were stuck in this collective idea instead of the individual ideal. And then what changed everything? What got rid of all that? Let's go there. What what broke the caste system? What broke the, the, the church, freedom, liberty, the enlightenment, of the enlightenment period, the founding fathers of America, that's who broke it. They said, we are going to self-govern ourselves through democracy. We're not going to, we're going to have a separation between church and the state. We're not going to have any of this. We're going to have a freedom to what you guys can do. How crazy is that? We're all going to be a bunch of egos who pick the best, pick an ego who we think will help govern us the best. And then look how fast things ended. Look how fast America transcended. And how fast the church and India, you know, um, how fast Britain, which was a monarchy and a mercantile nation, how fast... I mean, their the rule of India started dwindling a lot faster, and by the end, there was, it was it was a mess over there. So we're just looking at that. It's like, wait, look how we stayed basically stuck forever. And there is a problem with too much ego, like the ego of America and the founding fathers, and a lot of what happened turned into colonialism, and a lot of bad stuff happened. That was like. Just going with it. Just 100%. It's just a bunch of individuals. Who cares about what it, what happens? But before, it was just this collective idea. And then we're just going to get controlled by the people with the ego. 
what we need to come to is a, a, a middle ground, a middle ground. And that's where we're kind of at right now. But with social media and polarity and politics, this mass polarity that we're seeing rupture between the radical left and the radical right, it's, it's not helping us be in the middle. And I think things are getting worse. I think things were getting better for a while, but I think things are getting worse because the yoga community, the spiritual community, is the most powerful community of self and personal transformation in the world. It has the ability to help people get over all the issues they have so that they can become strong individuals and make a difference in the world. But in that information that helps those people get over that stuff, there's a lot of toxic information like getting rid of your whole ego or just focusing on your own enlightenment, which is the resultant of the Maya enlightenment movement right now, which is just says like, all that matters is my enlightenment, how I feel. I need to go to a treat on to Bali. I need to go to Burning Man. I need to do all these things before I actually work on myself and get something done, publish something in the world, make a difference in the world. Entertainment and recreation is great, but the great work is a very time-consuming and hard thing. You don't have, making that your whole life is a problem. Taking one week off a year and just going and wilding out at Burning Man is great. And that probably will help you in the long run and rest and relaxation. But making your whole life about only helping yourself and getting rid of your ego and moving away from experiencing life and actually doing something, actually publishing content or helping people wake up on individually helping people one by one like i hope this podcast is doing wake up if you're not doing that then you something's been corrupted along the way and look how long it took me i'm 25 years old it's taken me a long time to come here and have the courage to say all these things i knew this stuff years ago but i was still on the bliss journey i was still scared of what other people thought i my hedonistic mindset, if I say these things or if I put myself out there too much, I may ruin future job opportunities. And that's where basically everyone is stuck. I'm going to eliminate a lot of the pool, a lot of the dating pool. And there's so many different things that we worry about, but it doesn't matter because a strong character, if you develop a strong enough character, there are a lot of people who will support you. You will have a lot of critics, but you will have a beautiful support network. There will be a lot better people to date than just a. Pr- I don't want a bland person. No one wants a bland person, but bland people can only get bland people. <laughs> so, this war on the ego is a huge problem, and I hope I've laid out through bringing in Anne Rand's novel and the the question of do you want to be a weak character and comparing it to to history, bringing history into the foray. I hope I've shown that. It is a problem and the main thing we should be doing is with self-attachment and egoless meditation and stuff is eliminating parts of ourself that aren't serving us any longer. But then when that's over with, and that process shouldn't take that long, that should actually be a relatively easy process. The hard work has to start then. The shadow side, the confrontation with the shadow side. You shouldn't be eliminating your shadow side. You need to go into that subconscious hole and look at look at it straight into the in the face, accept it, then utilize its power. Bring it out into the world. 
because that's what's going to make a huge difference. So let's wrap this up. This we, we, I went on for about half an hour about this. This is the longest Conscious Yoga podcast to date. So we're going to keep getting in more into this in the future, and we're going to break down some of the historical aspects and the caste system and maybe some more individual groups that are look at individual groups that are um, pushing this agenda of eliminating the ego and seeing where their roots are and where they're going and what their what their members are actually doing in the world. So this is episode number four of the Conscious Yoga Podcast. You can find a lot of more a lot more information about this on SavvyZen.com. My name is Ian Kadanak. You can find this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. I will see you guys next week. Peace.